Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. A really good show has a snappy, witty intro, unlike this one. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. It is uh, January of the year 2021. Thank God. On uh, this week's show in uh, Pipe Parts, we have a visit with uh, Jeff Grasick for another Ask the Pipe Maker. And then my guest is a return guest, Russ Hicks. And uh, Russ is back on... Uh, we're going to talk about his um, uh, his bout with COVID-19 and losing his sense of smell. And then uh, we'll also talk about how he loads a bowl with 1.25 grams of tobacco and gets it to smoke for yeah, 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, and we'll also catch up with him. So you got that. Uh, back to the regular format of music, mailbag, and instead of a rant, a little bit of a tribute at the end of the show, so stay all the way till the end with us there. Uh, hope you all had a very safe and sane new year. Hopefully uh, you got to celebrate a little bit and uh, maybe got some fun in. I don't know, possibly. Uh, we hung out here at home, just the three of us, and rang in the new year and watched... Uh, Anderson Cooper and Andy Cohen and watch them get drunk on TV. And I actually had one little shot of uh, vodka and, and then, you know, that was about it for me. Um, and got a chance to sit and smoke my pipe and watch the new year come in and then play. Uh, we played board games in between. So wild night here. Yeah, big wild night. All right, let's get to We got a lot to get through in this show. So let's get the show going. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. There's nothing quite like a good book, or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. Everybody wants the best smoke, but you have to use the best tobacco. It just makes sense. Pipe smokers who know great tobacco choose Seattle Pipe Club blends. They're America's favorite luxury tobaccos. Plum Pudding, Mississippi River, Deception Pass, Wild Man, and all of Master Blender, Joe Lankford's blends are legendary. Seattle Pipe Club is handcrafted with the finest tobaccos and old world methods that take a little bit longer to make. The perfect reward for pipe smokers like us. Treat yourself to Seattle Pipe Club luxury blends. back on the pipes magazine radio show and joining us for an ask the pipe maker is jeff grasick maker of j allen pipes good morning or good afternoon where whatever time it is where you are it is good morning for me and good afternoon for you how you brian <laughs> good so here's your question you ready i'm ready gotham asks uh how worrisome are spider web like cracks on the inside of a pipe bowl I ask because I have purchased a few estate pipes in the past that revealed these veins after I scraped off the cake. So far, I've had decent mileage out of these pipes, but I wonder if I will be in for a rude burnout surprise someday. 
I've built up a small cake on those bowls, which I assume is giving me a buffer. But I wonder what Jeff or you would say to someone who discovers the somewhat disturbing and unsightly spiderweb-like cracks on, uh, in the inside of an estate bowl. What do you think, Jeff? Wow. I'm sure once uh, you clean out your pipes, you probably find spiderwebs, snake holes, rats. Yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah. all of my pipes are, are, are pre-spiderwebbed. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I'm, I'm a little curious. Have, have you seen this before, Brian? Have you uh, reamed a bowl and seen um, spiderweb cracking? Or I'm, I'm looking for a little bit of um, maybe a little more clarification on what, what he's seeing. Is it maybe tear out in the bowl from drilling or... No, what I what I've seen is uh, is a couple of different things, and and it, and it okay. may be two. It may be two things that he's looking at. Uh, the first thing is when you buy an estate pipe that's been sitting around for a long, 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 long time, and it had a cake in it. That cake mm -hmm. has started to dry out, mm -hmm. and it starts to kind of get these little veins and spiderweb pattern on it. Right, and right. that's purely because it's the cake that is dried out. Right. Yeah, it's the, like it's like looking at the bed of a uh, uh, the bed of a dried lake. Yeah, yeah, it's mm -hmm. just because it's just been you know cake, the 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 cake in a in a pipe has some moisture in it, and mm -hmm. eventually it all just starts to recede because it's been abandoned after uh, you know after old uncle whatever stopped smoking, right? And then it's been sitting in the antique store for six months or a year or five years. Um, the other thing that I have seen is when you get a pipe and you ream it back and then you see actual spider webbing and some, uh, crevices that have worked into the bowl. Mm. And I've always, uh, racked those up to the pipe smoker that had, it was an abusive pipe smoker and just smoked the heck out of the pipe. And probably didn't leave enough cake in it when they reamed it and mm -hmm. just fired that pipe up hotter than Hades. I think the the first one with the uh, with the cake just receding is not a problem because you just ream that cake down and you and you keep a little bit there. The second one, obviously, now you're starting to affect the shape of the wood. So, uh, you know, right. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know that was the first thing that uh, well, the, the first thing that struck me struck me is it might be a little bit of wood tear out, mm -hmm. uh, which happens along the um, the grain orientation in the briar as pipe makers work on pipes, um, and that's really nothing to worry about. That that happens on a lot of pipes, and we sand them, and and there can be like little you know little cracks, little things, but not like cracks through the wood. They're just, it's just the, the wood, uh, it's, it's naturally what happens when you drill. Um, that the, so that's what I was thinking when I, when I first heard the question, the second thing was exactly what you said with your first was that you're seeing the spider web cracking in the actual cake itself. And as you said, that's to me is not concerning at all. You can just simply sand it or, or ream it back to bare wood if you so choose and you will not see it anymore and it won't be any problem at all. And you can build up your own cake from there, which, you know, if you, if you're buying an estate pipe, I would take it back to bare wood anyway, yeah. just so you're not smoking someone else's smoke. Um, someone else's mix to, of know, whatever cake. 
whatever cake. Yeah, yeah. Some you can get some mean ghosting in some of those old those old estates, especially if they're not reamed. I haven't smoked one that wasn't reamed, but I, I also wouldn't. But to the the other point that you brought up, where it can be evidence of a of abusive smoking, that can be problematic. And I've seen that before, where especially where you can tell, like, oh, this whoever owned this pipe was, let's say, right-handed and used a torch. <laughs> and it's because there's a very, very concentrated cavity on one side of the pipe from top to bottom, right? And that, uh, and, and it doesn't even have to be a torch. Perhaps the person tipped, always tipped the bowl when they lit it. And the flame always was on one particular area of the bowl. And eventually that will ruin that side of the bowl. Is it, is it uh, a fixable? Uh, you, kind of. You can fill it in. Like if you know someone who's a pipe maker or send it to a good pipe restore, uh, restore they can fill that cavity somewhat with uh, pipe mud yeah. and make it more or less um, the cylindrical shape that it ought to be. <laughs> but presumably you're getting these estate pipes that, are, that show signs of abuse uh, at, a, at a hefty discount. And if that's the case, I would just say smoke it and enjoy it. And, uh, you know, if you like fiddling with things and, and it bugs you, then then fix it. I would I would also add in, and, and then I got a question for you, so don't go anywhere. Um, All right. I will add in that you can, as you smoke it, uh, you know, if, if I wanted to home fix it without really, if it's in the wood and I wanted to home fix it, what mm -hmm. I might do is smoke the pipe very gently for several bowls leave all the ash in there mm. get all the ash on the you know instead of doing my wipe down of the inside of the bowl when i'm done dig out the tobacco leave as much light ash in there as possible and just leave it laying leave the pipe laying down on that side where it is so that ash sticks in there Oh, and, like the, whatever residual moisture will help it. It'll can, help it adhere onto the side. Yeah, and you start to build a cake with your own with your own ash, kind of. Right. Now, you but you did mention something interesting to me, and when when a pipe maker is working with a pipe, mm -hmm. and you're supposedly working on a straight grain because that's all you guys ever want to make is a perfect straight grain. Right. Right. Yeah, it's all we're able to make. That means that the grain inside the bowl is also doing the same thing that the grain on the outside of the bowl is doing. Yes, indeed. Is and the grain is a little harder to smooth down than the than the clear spots in between the grains, right? Right. Yeah. Some of like the the some of the grain is more dense than other. So areas. so when you're you know if you have a very sparse straight grain, the the grain is the the little lines of grain will be a little raised up and you may have to smooth it down because the softwood in between the grains is going to fall out faster. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then the other thought came to me as I was thinking of this, see, I'm, I'm, I'm like on it. You're a thinker. I must be, I don't know what's going on. must be the weather. Um, if somebody's aggressively using a poker to clean out the inside of the bowl, they could be actually working away some of the, bald spot of grain inside there and that might start these little crevices going it's possible and you know the other thing brian is it could be um you know as, as you were saying abusive pipe smoking is one thing so lighting with the wrong kind of lighter or in like a very like very like localized area of heat 
all the time yeah. on that pipe. The other thing is just improper reaming. So perhaps someone was reaming with a reamer that was too sharp or had an uneven hand when they were reaming and it um, damaged the interior of the bowl that way. And if it, you know, it, 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 it can't really weaken the structure of the wood until it gets too thin. And once it gets too thin, then that area is going to overheat and retain the heat. Uh, um, or it's going to, it will, re- it will not retain the heat as much. So it'll, yeah. it will have uh, uh, much faster heat cycles than the other areas. But and either, that can just weaken the structure. Either way, if it's in the wood and it's not real deep in, then you just send it off to a, to a pipe or store, you know, restoration guy, and they can put in some some uh, some mud exactly. and cake it and smooth it down. Odds are you won't know the difference, right? Odds are you won't know the difference. And you know, I, I've had I, I've had a couple pipes like this over the years, especially when I you know when I first started getting into pipes, I was like a lot of people buying estate pipes on eBay or estate or, or at um, uh, secondhand stores and learning to restore them. And that's what I did is I would get inside of them and try to clean them up. And, uh, you know, for me, it was fun to learn how to do. And I think a lot of especially newer um, pipe smokers uh, are probably similarly minded. They want to kind of learn the mechanics of how they how they can maintain and restore the pipes themselves. If they're listening to this show or watching any of your videos on YouTube, they are definitely like-minded and probably want to know what makes it tick. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Jeff, thank you very much. Yeah, my pleasure. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. My name is Shane Ireland, and I'm the pipe manager at smokingpipes.com. It's my job to source and select the absolute best pipes from all over the world. We take collecting seriously, so you should think of us as your team of personal pipe shoppers. When you browse our site and make your selection, the pipe you've picked out has traveled from the maker to our merchandising and quality control department. It was then given to our highly skilled photographers, videographers, and copywriters before being carefully and lovingly packaged by our shipping team. The pipe you see is the pipe you get, and it's just the one you've been searching for. Whether you're on the hunt for that next special piece to add to your collection or would simply like a recommendation from our extensive selection of tobaccos, give us a call at 1-888-366-0345 and our friendly experts will be glad to assist you. We are quality. We are experts. We are collectors. We are smokingpipes.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us is a guest from the past. They have five years and one week ago, Russ. Can you believe that? (laughs) Wow, it's been a long time. Yeah, and it was kind of an odd show, so if anybody wants to go back and listen to it, that's where Russ talks about uh, buying pipes at an illegal age and uh, learning how to smoke a pipe right after he was done breastfeeding and a few other things, but... um, uh, Russ Hicks, welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Hey, Brian. Thank, thanks so much for having me. Glad to be back. So, again, if anybody wants to hear that show, it was uh, the end of December 2015. That's where a lot of your uh, superhero origin story stuff is, so they can go back and listen to that. Uh, this time I'm having you on, and we'll, we'll, we'll hit the, um, the more delicate subject first. And because you are, well, 
Let, let's get this out of the way first. Uh, a certain John David Cole seems to be fascinated with both you and I and seems to uh, love to talk about us. And not all, not always in the most glorious manner, but apparently he's a little jealous that we might have a few pounds of tobacco in our cellars. And so, uh, <laughs> but you're a Mississippi native and you grew up in Jackson. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I was actually shopping at the Country Squire probably when uh, John David was uh, in grade school. So. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, to, let's just let's just say you've got a few pounds of tobacco stored up. Uh, I think last time when you were on the show, you said you had about fifty or sixty tins of tobacco that were open that you were smoking out of. Uh, have you been able to narrow that down a little bit? Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I have. I <laughs> that's embarrassing to have that many open. I had a, a stock in mason jars, clearly. But, um, yeah, I, um, I, I would go through trying everything just like most people, uh, you go, go online or go to your brick and mortar and just start buying stuff just to try it. And, uh, but as you know, uh, and I, I was then at the time too, I'm primarily a Virginia smoker. Almost everything I smoke now is a Virginia based tobacco and don't venture too far from it. But I do have maybe ah, 10, 10, tens of something open. <laughs> at the moment so yeah i'm doing i'm doing markedly better than i was last time and five years ago you also said that you had over a couple hundred pipes and you were trying to figure out a way to maybe trim that down a little bit have you trimmed that down or did you just grow it even more uh, yeah that's right because I, I think i man i should have gone back and listened to that show <laughs> I, I think then i had 300 and some odd pipes which um uh, which I wasn't smoking all of them, uh, clearly. I think now I'm in the 150s, so I've, I've cut it in half. I think I'm really doing good, but I, I still want to get that down even more and, uh, you know, go for uh, getting rid of a lot of the, uh, you know, just the go, going more for the artisan pipe, I think is what I'm heading for these days, getting rid of some of the other ones that are just, you know, manufacturers or, uh, I have a lot of Nordings that I've been been getting rid of, not because I didn't like them. It's just I've changed, you know, the style of pipe that I smoke. So, so we didn't we didn't prep for this, but what's your what's your process of figuring out if a pipe needs to, uh, you know, what's the name of the song? Should I stay or should I go now? Um, <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, over the years, I. I trying to explain why why anybody would buy that many pipes i think i think i've done this with several hobbies now um what, what you do is you go out and you get a massive sample of of, of everything that exists and try it all and because if you don't uh, you just won't know you won't really know for yourself and so um and then you find out of that sample what works for you and and the type of tobacco that you like and then you need to start the culling and um so so literally right now if i, I tend towards smaller pipes a pipe that weighs you know somewhere around 30 grams or less something that's five to six inches something that has a three-quarter of an inch or maybe even smaller if i'm going to do like a cannonball 
uh, type loading. I like a 0.7 inch if I'm going to do like cannonball a flake, a flake like uh, you know Canna suggests in his book, uh, Perfect Smoke. So, um, so that that's kind of where everything is leaning towards. I do like a long shank pipe. I don't know if it really matters, but I like it. <laughs> um, I like a saddle bit stem, usually pretty short. And I like a pot or a print shape. So if it doesn't look like that, a lot of times it's going to end up in the don't use basket. And if it ends up in that basket, it's going to end up, you know, on eBay or it's going to end up, you know, in somebody else's hands as a gift. So you just found your, you found what works for you. And now it's just time to move on from those that don't fit that, uh, that standard anymore. Yeah. It, unless it's a pipe that, you know, uh, means something to me because of when I bought it or who gave it to me or, um, you know, the, the experience of buying it or, or it's, it's made by an artisan, you know, usually the, the people I buy pipes from are also friends. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times those will just stay forever. And I'm sure everybody has that set of pipes too. But as far as the workhorse pipes, as you like to call them, you know, those, those all kind of fit the same form for me, at least now. That may change in the future, but who knows? But that's the beauty of the hobby, because all of a sudden, maybe those big free hands excite you again, and then you go start chasing after them again. Right. I mean, one day we'll all grow up and maybe can be like Rich Esserman, right? <laughs> Giant pipe. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. <laughs> I'm I'm fine with my smaller, with my normal size pipes. Thank you. Um all right, let's get into this, and then uh, yeah, we'll we'll do what we can before the break here. But one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is in the first interview, you described yourself as a super smeller, somebody who is really sensitive to smell. And yes, I even went back and listened because you said that the world is a smelly place to you. Um, but you had a run where you lost your sense of smell. Uh, you want to. Tell us about it and, and, you know, what was it like? Yeah. Um, so, you, so you're right. I, uh, I, I've never really been tested in an olfactory sense, but, um, yeah, the world, the world is a very smelly place. I could, uh, I could walk into a room and I could tell you, you know, what was going on in the room, sometimes who was in the room, what was cooking on the stove, how many sets of laundry have been done and which dog needs bathing. <laughs> who had their shoes on and who didn't. <laughs> and, uh, so I had, I have a, I had a really strong sense of smell and a, a, as I came to find out a really strong scent memory. Um, but then I got sick with, uh, the coronavirus and about seven days into that illness, I had complete, uh, anosmia, which is a hundred percent smell loss. I mean, it was gone. Wow. So, um, it, it it threw me for a loop. I um, it's hard to describe because when it happens to you and and it's like it's like you smell the world in 4K, and now somebody's turned the TV off, and all you have is for me all I had left was my sense of taste. So uh, taste is like five things, right? It's like sweet, sour, salty, uh, maybe savory, and what's that? Bitter. Yeah. So those five things, that's, that's it. And I could taste all of those. All, all of that stayed for me. Um, but the sense of smell was gone completely. 
and it was gone for um, about a week. And um, so, <laughs> how, how do you how do you say this? I'm a Virginia pipe smoker. I love all the subtleties of Virginia. And then I found out that all those subtleties are smell because I went to smoke my pipe and I tasted absolutely nothing, but maybe just a little bit of sweet, <laughs> maybe a little savory. I mean, it was so muted. And uh, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to bring a grown man to his knees and have him in tears, have a Virginia pipe, you know, smoker that has been doing this for over thirty years and loves it just taste air when he's, you know, got 5,100 or red, red ribbon in his pipe. It'll, it'll, it's heartbreaking. Now we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we're going to talk more about this. And then we're also going to talk about your bizarre low, your, your one, 1 1.25 grams of packing method and your, uh, <laughs> your exceedingly <laughs> slow smoking method. And we're also going to tell everybody that you're back to almost normal. So we'll be back in just a minute. The Carolinas and the tobacco tradition have been woven together generation after generation. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the coastal low country, it's an integral part of our culture and heritage, building our beautiful tapestry. Cornell and Deal is proud to blend our pipe tobaccos in the Carolinas. Our history with tobacco dates back to the mid-1800s, and in that time we've perfected a variety of blends. The Carolinas have given us the perfect backdrop to do just that. Whether you're a fan of the rich Virginias, bold Latakias, spicy Periques, or unique aromatics, we've got a tobacco that's just right for your discerning taste buds. At Cornell and Deal, we live all things pipe tobacco, blending it, smoking it, and enjoying the company of those who share our excitement. Tobacco, it's what we do. Stop by CornellAndDeal.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with the super smelly, I mean super smeller, Russ Hicks. Who I've Russ, I've actually been around you and I don't think you smell, so um, I, I don't, all those reports are, you know, false if you ask me. Um, That's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I, and we'll get back to the seriousness here because we don't want to make light of this. You are, you know, you you contracted the coronavirus. Uh, you were lucky in that, you know. Now you're lucky in that it it really didn't, you know, except for what about a month that really bothered you. Yeah, I mean, I would say I had a a mild case, and you know, I um, I I don't want to make anyone to think that we're taking this lightly at all or saying, you know, woe is me. I lost my sense of smell. Um, I mean, especially when so many people have, um, you know, paid the ultimate price, uh, due to this virus, you know, and myself on my wife's side of the family, we've lost, uh, two family members and we've lost about five family friends to this virus. So it's unbelievably, uh, unbelievably deadly, uh, and very contagious, um, so I don't want to make it, like I say, I don't want to make light of, of that with this, but, you know, for the pipe community, I think the there is good news out there that if you do lose your sense of smell, 
uh, it typically means that your case is going to be milder. So, um, and also I think 90% of people that lose their sense of smell, get it back. But I, and, and the, I guess the jury's still out on the 10%, you know, whether eventually it will come back or not. Uh, um, you know, that, and I had a month to do a lot of research on it and, uh, and I'm certainly no doctor and I don't intend to play one on internet radio, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, but the, uh, I think the way the way the sense of smell works is in your uh, I guess it would be called your olfactory epithelium. You have uh, neuronal cells that actually have uh, sensory neurons in them, and they have very low ACE2 uh, receptors, so they're not affected by the virus as much. And then you have these non-neuronal cells, which are like support cells for those sensory neurons that you smell with. And I think those are the ones that they're saying are getting attacked. And that's why, you know, you lose it and then eventually it comes back because those cells can regenerate. So I think there is good news for, for us out there. There are, um, one of the things that I was told to do to recover it was this thing called olfactory training, which is to, when I first heard about it, I, I was thinking it was almost pseudoscience because basically they were telling you, to get some essential oils and they recommended things like clove, rose, uh, eucalyptus and lemon, I think were the four that they recommended. And they basically say, you know, as you're, as you can't smell anything, you hold these essential oils up to your nose for 10 seconds and you try to memorize or remember rather what the smell smells like. And you keep doing this and it retrains, uh, you know, your, the connection between those sensory neurons and your brain. Um, so I have been doing that quite a bit. So, um, but like I say, I'm, I'm a month in now, a little over a month. And, uh, I would say I'm back to 90% of where I was, which is, um, very, um, <laughs> uplifting for me. I, uh, I, I was, I was certainly in a, state of anxiety over it, wondering if it would ever come back. And I, I really only had it gone completely for about a week, but a week is a long time to think that you might be without it forever. So, yeah, you, I, if I remember right, you called me and it was kind of like the weekend after Thanksgiving and you were, um, you, you were not in a very happy place at that moment. Uh, but yet you also said that you were trying some other tobaccos, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, now that's really interesting. Um, I, when, when I started out smoking, like most of us, I smoked a lot of aromatics. And uh, if you have a really strong sense of smell, when you smoke an aromatic, there's a lot of topping and casings on those. And when those, um, and, and you can just look through some of the literature about all the things that they can put on tobacco to make it taste differently. And you can imagine burning those chemicals, and those could produce lots of interesting combinations of, of smell. And, and if you have a strong sense of smell and you're sensitive to those, you'll get all those non-tobacco-y type aromas. And I used to find those objectionable after, after a while. Well, when you lose it, now you can, you can handle them. And so aromatics, when you, don't, when you can't smell anything and you smoke an aromatic pipe tobacco it's just sweet and it's good yeah and so i was like well I, you know i started smoking 
you know, the, some of the aromatics. And I, I like aromatics. I don't want anybody to think I'm a, a Virginia-only smoker. I, I try to smoke a little bit of everything if I can. But uh, I enjoyed those more uh, with a muted sense of smell, w w without a doubt. Well, and I know from uh, you know from our from our conversation that we had a month ago, um, I was thinking, well, he's got some tobaccos that I really like, so you know I might be able to get them. But um, uh, but anyway, so it all it all came back. It was just it was well, it's almost all the way back, and it was just a bit of a uh, a, a time where you were kind of worried, and at the same time, it was also a chance for you to experiment. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I did. Um, you know, in the in the amount of time that I had uh, total anosmia, um, you know, I was able to try cigars. Cigars were were very interesting. Um, I, I what's the one that I liked the most? It was some, some Steve Saka cigar that was real like a Maduro, but it was it was pretty strong, and it had a lot of um, a lot of salty, a lot of savory. Um, and so it had, it had more bold flavors that you could pick up on your tongue. And that was, you know, uh, to me, that was very interesting. And then you'd flip over and, you know, go back to a Virginia or Virginia Perique or a Latakia blend or, you know, and, and all those subtleties that I think are what pipe smoking is and all those aromas not being present really mutes, um, you know the experience that you can have, and th and that is a, that is a sad thing. And I I wouldn't want anyone in our pipe smoking community to have to deal with that. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. and and especially our blenders. You know, you think about can you can you imagine if uh, well John David Cole or Jeremy Reeves or Russell Lett or Greg Pease or um, you know uh, others that are, are blending what if they lost their sense of smell i don't know that they'd be able to do their job so they they should be they're they're all kind of national treasures and they should really protect their their sense of smell if they can i don't know except for that john david cole yeah <laughs> guy from mississippi yeah. if he loses his smell that means he smells better um no uh, oh we're talking sense of smell sorry yeah. So, but the, and, and again, it was, you know, uh, we're, we're glad you're okay and we're not trying to downplay what other people are suffering here. This was, you know, you were, you're kind enough to come on and talk about your experience with this and how it affected you just purely as a pipe smoker. And, you know, now you're 90% back. So, uh, before we move on, did you try smoking a Lakeland English tobacco while you had no sense of smell? Because then maybe it could have been tolerable. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did. Um, I had some, uh, I forget which uh, Gallup blend. And, and then there was another one that I, I smoked. And uh, I believe GLP's has, is it Stonehenge? That's a, a Lakeland. And uh, yeah, you couldn't taste that. Oh, how to how to how do you describe it nicely? That Dandruff shampoo. Flowery. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's almost it's almost soapy, right? Yeah. I um um, it's not my favorite. It doesn't mean, which means nothing. But it, it's 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 something that I I find um very in the front of of the note. Uh, when, when you when you taste it, almost so much that, that I can't get past it. 
And so that kind of went away. Um, as far as I remember, d- during those com- times where I couldn't smell at all, and I, I know I tried that stone hinge, um, I couldn't smell any of that. But then it didn't take long before I, I did try it again later on because I had a tin of it open, and um, and it was back in full force. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it uh, it's a very very different, and I recommend that everybody try those. You you should all experience what a Lakeland blend is, so you'll know if you like it or not. All right, now we're going to move on to the fun stuff. Are you ready? Okay. You pack a bowl of tobacco, and your bowl of tobacco is about how many grams? Oh, okay, yeah. So, so, um, <laughs> um, you know, you and I both have a a, a substantial stash of uh, tobacco that's no longer available, and most of it's from the McClellan Company. And so, when you have something that's not going to be able to regenerate itself you you need to be careful with it so what i i I have about i don't know 20 pounds of say 5100 somewhere in there i have less now but a a year ago i had about 20 pounds so what i decided to do was to um, use it very carefully um, and see how little of it i could use and actually get about a 45 minute to an hour smoke out of it and um (laughs) So I found that 1.25 grams, which I would measure out on a little gram scale, is the pretty much the minimum that that made a decent smoke. You know, you, you don't want to put so little in the in the tobacco chamber that when you light it, it's automatically hot. But and and that that kind of allowed it. Now I smoke it as cool as I can, and I also smoke as slow as I can. And uh, but but it's work. I'm, I'm not gonna you know, lie to anybody and tell you that it's not. But I, in my effort to try to make that tobacco last for another 25, 30 years, if I can, uh, that's what I've been doing. It, it As silly as it is. Now, let me remind people that when you were first on the show, you told us that you're, uh, that you work for the, uh, that you work in aerospace and you design, I don't know, airplanes or, you know, you know, shit that flies. Um, so you deal a lot in uh, you know mathematical calculations, and I'm sure there's a spreadsheet or two in there. So you don't mind doing this weird stuff where you sit down and do all these tests and uh, figure out exactly how to make it last. And you know I'm I'm okay with that because I did that with my pipe cleaners too. So, but but one point well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so so with one point two five grams, that means that. You know, you're you are you using like a pair of tweezers to make sure that you get every little flake to make that one point two five grams and then lay them in there in the bowl specifically? Not not tweezers. Um and it, it you know, my gram scale is uh is probably plus or minus two or three tenths of a gram. <laughs> but it, I yeah, I mean it, it is certainly silly. Um but it was funny, I found one point two wasn't enough. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't want to go to 1.3. So, um, yeah, so I, I am laying in, like, individual pieces of tobacco, which I, well, I have clearly nimble fingers, and I, I can pick those pieces up and, and put it on the scale. But um, I, I will say towards the end of 2020, 2020 did me in as it did most other people in, and I was loading my bowl full 
of 5,100, just like one should properly do. So, <laughs> <laughs> And if you load it full, would you get it to smoke for, what, 10 hours? Uh, you know, I have been able to get, you know, two, two and a quarter out of out of a bowl of it smoking extremely slow now of course i, I smoke uh, mainly like shorter pipes like a pot shape or a, yeah. a prince or something like that but i have some taller bowls and uh, uh that eltang well the one i got from you the eltang sailor pipe you know it's a yeah. you know poker style and it's it's pretty tall i can get i can get a couple of hours out of that if i fill it all the way to the top and do it properly yeah, and I think that pipe, I think I got about thirty-five or forty minutes out of. Um, and yeah, for, that wasn't your. That wasn't a good pipe for you. I remember. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why you have it now. Um, and and for your for our for the Americans that don't understand the grams to ounce ratio, there are twenty-eight grams in an ounce. So this is I think twenty-eight point three five actually. Oh, I'm sorry, ahead. I forgot to pass the decimal. <laughs> yeah. All right, you're one of those guys that when you do pi, it's not good enough to go five you know, five past the decimal, um, which I don't know what it 3. is. 3.15, anyway. <laughs> 3.14 is, is, is enough for most things. Yeah. But. Yeah. So we're talking about, uh, we're, we're, we're talking about about, uh, one, uh, about one eighteenth of an ounce, one twenty one twenty first of an ounce somewhere in there. So this is a small amount of tobacco that you're, playing around with and most of us are putting three and a half four grams in a bowl and we're and we're calling that a small bowl yeah yeah and and i mean i and i kind of i kind of think about a bowl as a three gram you know like what you would do at a contest right i think most of it's three grams that they give you something like that so if you go one and a half that would be half of what you would smoke at a contest a long smoke and and then i was trying to see how much i could cut away from that and so I cut another quarter, quarter ounce off a gram rather off of that. So I thought I was doing good, but <laughs> I'm going to make that last as long as I can, unless you can find me some more. And I'm sure you have connections. Now on that note, we got to wrap this up with the fast five final questions. You get them again. You didn't get to prep for them. No right answer, no wrong answer. Just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Yeah, sure. Shoot. What is your favorite pipe? Uh, it's, uh, it's gotta be like a pot, uh, shape is my favorite. And, and Prince would be the, the second, um, Bruce Weaver made me a pot Lavat, and I know it's called a love it, but I just can't say love it. So I'm going to say Lavat. Um, but what I want from you on this is I've, I've eventually want to make it a seven day set. And since Bruce is no longer with us, I, I need six other pipe makers suggestions from you at some point that I'll, I'll get those guys to, to make one that's similar to what he made me. We'll work on that list. Um, okay. What is your favorite tobacco at 1.25 grams per bowl? Well, it's, it's definitely 5,100 with a close second of, you know, something like red ribbon, which is very similar. And if it's a flake, it's 20, number 27. And what is your favorite drink? Oh, um, probably last time I probably said Coca-Cola and, uh, but I, I don't drink it when I'm smoking. I, I usually drink, you know, like a black tea, uh, or a green tea. I, I like green tea actually better with, uh, Virginia because it's, uh, 
I don't know. I think it's more alkaline. I, I don't know exactly where it falls on the scale, but uh, yeah, I'd say green tea with Virginia pipe tobacco. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Um, man, all, all three are such a huge part of my life. Um, I guess I'll say if I listen to music, uh, I, I I listen like a musician, so it's not as relaxing as it would have been prior to that. Um, a movie, I used to work in a movie theater. I love movies. But i got to say it's a book. Uh, a book would be my favorite. And, and I don't have a lot of time to read these days, so it's probably an audio book. And then finally, I'm going to hijack your favorite pipe smoking-related memory. And I'm going to hijack it for two ways. Are you ready? Okay. First of all, last time you were on, we talked about getting together and actually sitting and having a pipe at a Disney park, and you and I did it. Uh, we actually got to sit and smoke at Animal Kingdom together, uh, probably six months before they banned smoking in the parks, if I remember correctly. Right. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Yeah, so we actually got to do that, um, but... The favorite pipe smoking related memory that I think I'm I'm pretty sure I asked you not to mention five years ago um, was a little bit over five years ago. We were at Walt Disney World. You were there with your family and you said, hey, let's get together. And we said, well, we've got some friends here and we're going to be watching the, I don't know, the electrical parade or whatever it was. It might have been the Spectro Magic back then. Uh, but I didn't tell you who our friends were, and then you came over, and who were our friends that were with us? All right, Mike and Mary McNeil. Yeah, that was a surprise. <laughs> Total surprise. Yeah, so that and, uh, that was that trip, and then of course, you know, Mike was Mike was being Mike. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I, I could tell that Mike wanted to t talk about pipe tobacco, and. I'm not sure Mary really did, <laughs> mm -mm. but, um, yeah, the conversations I had with Mike, um, on that, that trip were very memorable and, uh, that was a great experience, no doubt. And I'm sure your daughters are one are still remembering that crazy guy. Um, but <laughs> oh yeah, they, they always wonder if you're going to bring them more, uh, Disney pins. Yeah. Well then that's me. Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. So, Russ, thank you very much for coming back on. Thanks for talking about this, and uh, glad you're glad you're feeling better. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. I, I, I appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk about this, and I hope everybody is out there and they, they stay safe and can avoid getting this. Yeah, and I hope they can fill their bowls all the way and not have to worry about 1.25 grams. Well, un unless they, they have really precious pipe tobacco, and then I... I I'll be glad to talk to them and coach them through how to make it last. There you go. Thanks again, and we'll be back in just a minute. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 Collection, 
and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking archipelago red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thank you again to Russ for coming on and sharing his experience with us. And uh, and again, he's about 90% back to normal. So just uh, stay safe out there. Enjoy your tobaccos at home. And uh, hopefully uh, you won't have to go through it rusted. Uh, and Russ wanted to request some music. So this is uh, a song by Tony Rice, who is a slap or folk guitar guitarist of... Uh, legend and uh he passed away uh last month uh this is a song called freeborn man well i was born down in the southland 20 some odd years ago i ran away for the first time when I was only four years old, I'm a freeborn man. Born for homies on my back. I know every inch of the highway, every foot of back road, every mile of railroad track. Americana picking and uh, picking and plucking for you. Read 
the mail. Read the mail. And in the mailbag, remember, if you have a comment or question, email me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at PipesMagazine.com. Or you can go to the Pipes Magazine radio show page on Pipes Magazine, or you can follow me on uh, Facebook or Instagram and reach out to me there. Although sometimes that's a little hard to get to me there. But anyway, uh, here's a message from Instagram, and it says, Brian, tobacco question for the show. What is the purpose of the coffee filter-like liner in the tin? My guess is you spread it out so when you load your pipe, you don't lose a bunch of tobacco. Well, from my understanding, that little coffee filter-like thing does two things inside the tin. One, uh, when it's open like that, it also helps the, uh, in addition to helping you deal with uh, loose tobacco falling out and being able to keep it, um, it also helps the machines that are packing the tobacco on the tobacco lines. Uh, it helps the machines get the tobacco in there. Uh, and it also does a little bit with helping the uh, tobacco stay away from a metal lining. So, yeah, so it does. It, it really does three things. You know, one, you can when you're packing tobacco at home, you can open up that coffee filter thing and use it to catch all your crumbs. Uh, two, the machines that are packing it, it, the the tobacco goes into a flat version of that, and then that goes into the tin and it's folded over. And three, it just keeps the contact limited to the actual metal that's on the inside. And this this goes back years ago. Nowadays, everything is food-grade lining, and you really don't have to worry about it too much. But there you go. Uh, and then a while back, Stephen McCluskey wrote me. He says, hi, Brian. I hope all is well. My name is Steve McCluskey, and I'm based here in Scotland and new to the hobby. I've only been smoking a pipe for around six months. However, I have been bitten by the bug badly. So here's another pandemic pipe smoker. Um, like most folks, I started with the aromatics, but quickly ditched them once I discovered I have a love for Virginia Periques. It's also starting to cost me quite a bit of money, this new hobby, in that I have directly started my own pipe collection. Uh, I have indirectly started my own collection, inclusive of five Peterson pipes, a Savinelli, and two Dunhill Billiards, Ruby Bark, Sandblast, and a Smooth Briere. When I got my first Dunhill Billiard, it was a bit of a lightning bolt moment in that I found the quality of the smoke to be a bit of a game changer. Uh, I'm also a musician, banjo, guitar, and dobro player, so he'd really like what I just played there. Uh, so I appreciate the quality of handmade instruments, which in turn led me to start my collection of artisan pipes. Uh, to date, in terms of bespoke artisan pipes, uh, I also have a... Uh, I have a Chris Asquith Billiard, a Yeti Blasted Acorn, a J. Allen Dublin on my way, my Christmas gift from my wife, and I've also just put my order in with Michael Parks for a Sandblasted Billiard. So it's fair to say I'm hooked. It's worth noting the reason I bought the J. Allen was after listening to Jeff on your show. Uh, he's super knowledgeable and just comes across as a really nice guy, and he plays bluegrass guitar. My question for you is, being based in Scotland, it's hard to get any USA tobaccos, so I was wondering if you could possibly recommend some Virginia Perique blends to me for me to try that I can source in Europe. Uh, my favorite is Elizabethan mixture, closely followed by the Peterson Dunhill Deluxe Navy Rolls, Robert McConnell Scottish Flake, Rattray's Howl of the Wind, and also Solani 633. Uh, I have a few tins of Rattray's Marlin Flake, 
that I haven't tried yet. And finally, if I ever do fancy an aromatic blend, I tend to opt for uh, Rattray's Bagpiper's Dream. Your thoughts and suggestions would be greatly appreciated. Finally, just to say I'm a big fan of the show, love your work, and as suggested, I listen to the latest episodes and work my way through your back catalog. Uh, thanks again for your inspirational work, and I hope to hear from you soon. Best wishes, Steve. Uh, there we go. All right, Steve. So welcome to the hobby, and uh, wow, welcome to the deep end of the hobby. I mean, you dove right in. Uh, quickly, my two suggestions would be, if you have not tried it already, try Escudo. Uh, and it's the you know round uh, round round tin white label uh, with uh, the round discs. That's kind of the uh, the classic of all Virginia Pariks, if you ask me. And it is still available, and it's made in Denmark, so you should be able to get it there in Scotland. Uh, you may also want to look into the H U, the letter H, the letter U H U tobaccos, which I don't have much uh, experience with personally, but can say that I know a lot of friends that like him and I believe he's out of Hungary so, or somewhere on the uh, on the eastern side of Europe there um, and then uh, Dan Tobacco out of Germany although I don't know if they ship out of Germany but uh, there's a couple of Dan Tobacco Virginia Periques that may be interesting of you so there's my suggestions anybody else have any comments or suggestions for him let us know post it on the uh, show page uh, and apparently there were some technical issues with the show page and Dino sent me an email because he couldn't get this to post uh, regarding last week. Mike's insights into the art and industry of pipe tobacco are so damn interesting, informative, entertaining and just plain fun. And you, my friend, are the perfect Mike Wrangler. It was a terrific conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed the musical selections. Lauren was lovely and the Sinatras were like holiday bells. Ring a ding ding. Uh, that was a nice uh, shout out to Julius and our friend Ronnie B. Happy New Year, Dino. Thank you, Dino. You're welcome too. Um, yeah, it got a lot of comments about the uh, about the show with Mike, so, of course, and uh, and the Grinch, uh, including Paul, who wrote, uh, "Thank you for playing all the great Christmas and holiday music. This was such a tough year for us. Your show really helped bring back some of the holiday spirit into our home." Pipe smokers have great taste, and their music suggestions reflect this. If you create a holiday Spotify playlist, I would definitely sign up if I can ever fully figure out Spotify. Uh, for the rest of the year, a Spotify pipe smokers playlist with all the great music you have played on the show would be great to listen to as I relax with my pipe, but I'm not sure if that's even possible. Uh, I really enjoyed the Mike McNeil Christmas cheer interview. So much history and pipe culture in this one tobacco. Uh, for pipe parts, have you ever discussed reamers yet? What do you use? How often? Yeah, you got to go back. Um, go way back. Uh, probably in the early hundreds somewhere. And uh, look for that. Um, and count me in as someone who is happy to hear the Lakelands will be back in force. Although my cellar filled with Samuel Gowith just went down considerably in resale value. Uh, do you know for sure if Prince Albert is still in production? I've heard strong conclusions both ways on the internet happy new year to you kevin and your families paul um i couldn't find anybody that could confirm anything with prince albert so if anybody knows anything out there let me know again comments questions email me brian at pipesmagazine.com uh show suggestions email me brian at pipesmagazine.com and in just a moment a uh, bit of a tribute
This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. Sunday, Henrik Hallberg, who is, uh, we would all call him the owner or the primary of the McBaron Tobacco Company, died unexpectedly in his home at the age of 70. Uh, For those of you that uh, you've heard me talk about Henrik in the past, and he is the HH from the McBaron HH Old Dark Fired in the HH line. That's named after his great-grandfather, Harold Hallberg. Uh, Henrik was, uh, uh, to say the least, Henrik at times could be eccentric, but was a uh, tobacco man to the, you know, from the beginning. He, he, uh, he absolutely loved doing all the tobacco buying for, with the company and really loved the tobacco side of it. Uh, the company is, in, uh, is owned by the Hallberg family with Henrik as the primary, so the other family members are going to continue it on in the family spirit and everything. So nothing will change there, uh, except to say that you know this is a uh, a passing of a, another great tobacco man who is passionate about tobacco and passionate about finding the best tobaccos, uh, and some that was uh, someone that was fun to uh, to sit and have a drink with and visit with, and someone who also uh, you know. And, <laughs> As the story goes, he was so eccentric. He he was the one that was really that was really responsible for building McBaron into this world, this worldwide brand and this worldwide company. And when people would come to visit him, he in uh, in Denmark, he wasn't happy with the kind of hotels they had nearby. So he bought the hotel and fixed it, and then ended up starting a hotel business with a couple other locations and. Also enjoyed fine, art, you know, fine art and local artists, and supported them. So, Henrik, this here, uh, this is this show is dedicated to your memory. And uh, tonight, I'll uh, pull out an old tin of HH Old Dark Fired and fire it up. Uh, with that being said, uh, thank you to Jeff for joining me. Thank you again to Russ for uh, sharing his experience. Thank you all for tuning in, and until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to you. Till we meet.
Happy New Year. In this country, we say Happy New Year.